hey, good morning, church. Come on, can we clap? It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? <laughs> well, hey, um, I hope you're glad to be here. And uh, for those joining online, thank you for joining us this morning online. And um, man, I'm excited to be with you today. Uh, and I suppose more than anything else for me, uh, they ever find that the faster life goes, sometimes it's easier to forget things. Um, and you feel like you're caught in a, a warp speed kind of thing and opinions are flying at you, difficulties are flying at you and you're just like, at the end of each day, you're just like, God, I thank you that I got through another day. Uh, thank you, Jesus. And uh, sometimes the speed of things can cause you to forget um, all that God has done for you in the past. And, and uh, I, don't, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want that to be the case for any of us. Can you say amen to that? And, and I, before we get into this, um, I wanted to share with you some verses that God's been stirring in, in my heart. We're in this series called The Church, or Ecclesia, which means in Greek, called out ones, the called out ones. And, and uh, I find myself, uh, I've been, people text me often and, and they ask about, hey, what are your thoughts about what's going on? And uh, I find it interesting, not that they necessarily want to know my opinion, but because, um, because they then tell me how they see it. And... Um, it's pretty interesting because they say, you know, a lot of people are saying, and they begin to quote all the different news sources that they watch and the different people that they're listening to, and, and um, they said, man, I'm just, a lot of things are struggling, and I'm, this has been happening for the last five months. People have been texting me about things, and, and uh, I said, I feel good, and I said, let me just tell you why. It's because I chose to shut off voices around me um, that I choose not to hear that aren't giving me life. I don't choose to live in a bubble, but I choose to feed my soul with things from the Word, and and I'm no different than you. I'm no different than you. Sometimes um, my ear always leans towards what's happening, what's going on. And, 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 and gossip is easy to, it, gossip moves faster than good news. You guys know that, right? And, and so sometimes when negativity or gossip um, begins to stir in people, um, fear can be the primary motivator of how people do things or why they react to things. And and so some people are doing stuff. I'm like, why are you doing that, man? Because I just don't know what's going to happen. Just don't know what's going to happen. Things are crazy today. And in seasons of uncertainty and in an uncertain world, there's some scriptures that I've just been meditating on. And, and I want to share them with you today because I believe for, for all of us as believers, there needs, to be, there needs to be a deposit in our soul of, 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 of words, not just mere words, but of, of, of spiritual sustenance that sustain us and strengthen us in uncertain times. I just want to remind you, like, we're, we're a spiritual family. We, we are called by God to live by faith, to walk by faith, to live by faith, and not by what we see before us in these uncertain times. Lamentation says this, the Lord is good to those who depend on him, who depend on him, to those who search for him. And are you depending on God every day? Are you leaning on him? Say, man. And some of us, we talk ourselves out of depending and trusting in God and find ourselves in this mode and in this attitude of anger, frustration, fear, anxiety, and stress. We're feeding ourselves those things. And your body is reacting, your soul is reacting to things. You remember that thing where they had someone eat McDonald's for like 30, 30 days straight? Do you remember that? It was like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> His body started to shut down or something. And people are like, oh, I'm so shocked. I can't believe it, you know. 
I mean, we laugh. You're like, whoa, of course. But we do it to our soul, to our spirit all the time. We listen to nonsense and, and get on the internet and it's the cesspool of negativity and gossip and, and discord and dysfunction and all those things. And it, it, it disrupts every good and perfect gift that God has blessed us with. Psalm 91, 2 says, this I declare about the Lord. I love this. This I declare about the Lord. It needs to be a declaration you make over your life every day. This is what it says, that he alone, he alone is my refuge and my place of safety. He is my God and I trust in him. He alone is it. He alone is that place of refuge and strength and safety. Hmm. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. But he who seeks to lose his life will find it. God's not asking you to try to save yourself and to protect yourself. He's got that covered when you surrendered your life to Jesus. When you said yes to Jesus and surrendered your life to Jesus, he wants you to spend the rest of your days giving your life away. Not trying to be hiding to save it. That's why the apostle Paul would say things that seem so contradictory to the way that we do life. He says, to live is to Christ, is Christ, and to die is to gain. Some be like, well, Paul just had something going on, you know? He's just, no, 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 no. He understood to that which he was called. And he understood this context that this is a real physical place that we live, but it's not our home. Can you say amen? It's not our home, and we need to make sure that in these seasons of uncertainty that we lift our eyes and focus upon Jesus. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow tired of doing good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. I'm excited today to talk to you about um, how people view the church. Over the last two weeks, we've been talking about how people see the church. And some people have approached me and said, well, why does it really matter how people see the church? Well, I'll tell you why it matters. Because how you see the church, capital C, how you see the church, ultimately is a reflection of how you see God. And sometimes when people say, I don't have time for church, and you say, well, why? Well, because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. All they want is your money. All they want is control. All they want is power. That's actually how they see God. And then some people will suggest that, well, no, it's not that church. I like that one, but not this one. And you'll see this dysfunction in how people even try to define the church. But ultimately, at the end of the day, how you see the church will determine the relationship you have with it. And not only the relationship that you'll have with it, but how you see God as well. We've talked about how people view the church as fire insurance as a lucky charm, as a rest stop, as a train station, so to speak, and even as a gas station. But I want this conversation not to just be a conversation, not to just be an unpacking about the church, but I want all of us to really be honest with ourselves about how do I see the church? How do I see the church? And can I just say this? Um, we, we, we can talk ourselves out of anything. You notice that? And usually the thing that we're talking ourselves out of is the very thing that we need. If you're struggling with generosity, if you're struggling with loving a neighbor, if you're struggling with forgiving, if you're struggling with any of those things, all things that you could struggle with in your journey, we can t I've talked myself out of all of those things. I don't need to give. I don't need to forgive. I don't need to love that person. I don't need to care for that person. I don't need to serve that person. 
talk ourselves out of it. And usually, we become the primary advocate for our own position. So people are saying, well, why don't you do that? Well, you need to understand my situation. And we vet everything through the lens of how we see it rather than understanding how God calls us to see the church and to be part of it. I love this verse in Psalm 84. Better is one day in your house, one day in your house, than a thousand elsewhere. One day. Better is one day. There is a fulfillment of being in the house of God when you understand your purpose to that which you're called in Jesus. Today I want to talk to you about some other views of how people may see the church. And if anything else, let this conversation not only challenge you, but let it help you in in your conversations with other people. Because sometimes as you converse with other people and help lead people to Jesus, they themselves will admit to you, well, I see church this way. Church is kind of like a gas station to me. Or, or, man, I see church as fire insurance. And you can have the understanding, not only biblically, but you'll be able to articulate, well, there is a good perspective in seeing it that way, but there are also a lot of negatives in seeing it that's what, that way. And this is why. And what you're doing is helping people see the church, the family of God, the bride of Christ in a way that is reflective of Scripture. Can you say amen? Yeah. Acts chapter 9, verse 31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Listen to how they were strengthened, church. They were strengthened by living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit the church increased, everybody say increased, increased, say it one more time, say increased, increased in numbers. They increased in numbers. Some people view the church as a ticket booth, as this place where you come to get the golden ticket. <laughs> and of course, this golden ticket is salvation. You go and, and you just need to make sure that you get what you need um, for that time uh, of eternity. And then once you get that, you're good. You can go back to everything else and, and just get on with your life. And there's nothing else you really have to focus on or even worry about for that matter because you got your ticket and that's all you need. Now suppose if there's anything good about seeing the church as a ticket booth, a place where you go to acquire something, is this, that they know there's an eternal life. And not only that, they know that they need something in order to spend eternal life with the Father. There's a lot of negatives that come with this view. And it's dangerous, actually, in the approach of understanding it or even seeing the house of God as a ticket booth. And again, let me remind you of this as we go through here with these analogies or perspectives. You may never have said before in your life, I view the church as a ticket booth. But in your actions and in your interactions with other people within the church, that's how you behave. I have to be honest. Like I, 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 We could go through every single one of these and you'd say, Pastor, how have you, did you see the church in these ways? I may have never used any of this language before, but I have viewed the church that way. I remember growing up in, in, in the church and just saying, well, what do I really need? <laughs> I just need to like, you know, say that prayer and kind of like go through the motions and things and, and then I'm good, right? Everything is good. And no, that's not what church is about. That's not what the gathering of the saints is about. The gathering of the saints is something completely different and that's what we really set out to accomplish through this conversation. Is that church is more than a ticket booth. It's more than a place where you come and you just get your ticket. 
and you're good to go. The challenge with this is that the only reason that I would go to church is to make sure that I'm going to heaven. That's it. But what an incomplete perspective of the body of Christ. Man, there, there, there is, there's something in relationships that are found in the local church that makes your life rich in ways that nothing else can. No money, no resource, no accolade, no accumulation of things. It's the relationships of other brothers and sisters in Christ that really makes your life rich. And what breaks my heart is that sometimes people come, they experience the gathering together of the saints. They're like, well, I tried it. No, no. You, you witnessed it. You were exposed to it, but you weren't involved and planted within it. There was no relationships, no roots down into it. When people view the church as a ticket booth, they merely see it as a way to get to heaven. It's a transactional view. This is, I suppose, the most dangerous. It's a transactional view of salvation. It says, listen, I'm going to come. I'm going to do what I need to do. And then when, when I do it, whatever I need to do, that is, then, then I'm going to get my ticket of salvation. And I'm like, peace, I'm out. And uh, I'm good. The danger in this is that you in your mind think that in some way you've worked to earn this ticket or this posture or position of salvation. Like, well, I, listen, pastor, I sat through four services. I know it was like four months, but I sat through four services. And I didn't fall asleep in one, okay? And at the end, I did the hand thing in each service just to be safe, you know? And I got four Bibles, okay? So if you did, that's okay, no judgment. But I was like, I got four Bibles. You know, I've done all that stuff. And so like, I'm good. What, what else do you want from me? <laughs> it's not what, is what God wants from you. It's what he wants for you. And often it's the defensive nature of how we see other people. Do you know how judgmental we are as people? I mean, it, you want to see the, the rawest expression of sin. Look at the way that we judge one another. In our own families. In our biological families. Like, I've, I've grown up playing sports, and I've been on teams my entire life. Even on teams, you could be standing next to someone, and people are critical and judgmental. It's something in us. We, we almost don't know how to defend ourselves without being negative or critical to other people. Even business people will, will judge themselves based upon other people around them. Listen, we're doing good. Like, why? Well, look at them, them, and them. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So as long as other people are the standards of, of your significance, then you're okay. And it's a dangerous place to be in. It's a dangerous place to reside because... Ultimately, if that's how you find security in your life, then that's how you'll approach to finding security in the local church, is in the way that you compare yourself to other people. And you'll say, well, listen, surely I'm going to heaven, not only because I've made this transaction with God, but, you know, I, 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 I've done what I need to do. Listen, can I tell you something? Christ came from heaven to earth to pay a debt that you could not pay. It has been paid. It's been paid. Have you ever gone out to eat and at the end of the dinner, the waiter or waitress come up and they say, your bill's been paid. You can hand them your credit card. You can hand them a, che a check or, I don't know if people do that. You can hand them cash. You can do whatever, but they'll say, you don't need it. It's been paid. 
And the truth is, many people don't realize it, but their eternal salvation has been paid for. All they need to do is receive it. That's all they need to do is receive it. And the crazy thing about it is that people are heading in an opposite direction of eternal salvation. And all they need to do is receive that which God has already paid for. He's already paid for it. He's already done the work. He already let his son be crucified and become sin on your behalf so that you could spend eternity with God. It's already been done. And then some people in our own insecurity spend the rest of our lives trying to earn that which has been freely given. And that produces in people this sense of self-righteousness. Where it's like, well, pastor, you know, and I've done this. And it's a dangerous place to be. When you realize and recognize who you are without God, it creates this greater de dependency on God. And when you come to church, you know there is no transactional thing in, in salvation. It is a free gift that you cannot earn, and it comes from heaven. Can you say amen? amen. This also implies that when you receive your, <laughs> your ticket, that you're good. You need to do nothing else. And I suppose that's the most dangerous view of it all. The Bible says that our gifts are not our own. That they're for the body of Christ to further encourage one another in this journey that we have with one another. Hebrews chapter 10 says, do not forsake together the gathering as some are in the habit of doing. But gather together, all the more expecting the return of Christ. And there's something in this season that we, that we desperately need in our spirit to gather together because it helps us not just fellowship and, ha and have small talk, but to really gather our spirits and to pray with one another, to encourage one another, and fix our eyes on Jesus, to fix our eyes on Jesus. Some people view the church as a theater, and I've been looking forward to talking about this because... Um, I understand where it comes from because this, I suppose, once you're a negative critic and a judgmental person, you understand how easy it is to slide into that mind of thinking and, or that thought process. And I've been there before in church and I was the hypocrite in the back and the negative person and everything the church did, I judged the motives of it. If, if the pastor stood up there and, and held an envelope and said, hey, can you give? I was judgmental. If they passed a bucket, I was judgmental. If they put stuff in the back, uh, you couldn't do anything right because it didn't matter. I just was just it's wrong, you know. And then I read scripture and I says, I, it says that I don't have the, the right to judge someone's heart. Hear me now, church. Motives or intentions. No matter what you think of it, whether you see someone in a situation, you're like, no, I know. The Bible says you don't have the right to judge the heart, the motives, or the intentions of somebody. Can't do it. Can't do it. But how often do we do it? Do it all the time. We do it all the time. We'll hear someone say something like, yeah, but you said, and it's like so out of context. And, man, we're living in a world today that, that nothing that you say is enough or good enough. And if you say it the wrong way, you're going to offend somebody. So what should that mean for us as a church? We just keep our mouths shut? No, that we're cautious in how we speak, but confident in what we believe. That our convictions will not be determined by whether you see them as threatening or intolerant. There is no other call 
No other call in any religion around the world that says, that says you shall love those that persecute you. But that to the call that Jesus puts on us. So we don't call to demean, to threaten, but we live with convictions. And we believe that God's word is the final authority in all things. It cannot be judged according to man. Man cannot sit down and weigh God's judgment and say, well, I now see this as good and, and God loses the authority. No, he is the final, always has been and always will be. And we as a church have chosen to submit ourselves under his authority. It's a dangerous place when you play that game. You say, well, you know, Pastor, I believe in all that, but, whoo, you're not going to stay at your aunt or uncle's house for all eternity. You're staying at his. You either believe he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, or you do not. And if he is, you need to posture yourself in understanding who you are in light of who he is. This theater mentality of church is, is good in one perspective. It's good in the perspective of preparation and a desire for excellence. Excellence is not the pursuit. Jesus is the pursuit. But as it says in Scripture that we will do all things with, with excellence, Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with your whole heart, not just a part of it, your whole heart for the Lord and not for men. So sometimes we, we try to balance the, the stark difference between one environment of worship and another environment of worship. Doc Mannion, who's on our, on our team, he has planted many churches and, and has been across um, many parts of Africa and planted churches. And I remember speaking to him. I said, well, Doc, when you would do church in those countries, what did you need? And he just says, well, a, a Bible and a tree. I said, a Bible and a tree? He says, well, the sun it was hot, so you just sit in the shade of the tree. I said, well, what, what about us? He says, that's it. And then other people would say, no, 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 you know, you need like a big cathedral and you need to have, you know, the cross and you need to have this and the pews need to be outright and you need to have this and the lighting has to be in a certain way. And, and what we need to understand is that what we often see as the substance is insignificant. It's hard for a lot of people to swallow, but it's not the substance. What we argue over is method, not the substance. And so what I think is really interesting, and I, I listen, there's no judgment in this because I understand when you come into True North Church and you see that we have lights, lights are from the devil, I know that. And so um, if you have lights and if you have haze, it's like you're trying to replicate um, um, hell, you know? So it's like, don't do that. And then if you have an electric guitar on the platform, and some of you are laughing, but can I tell you something? The very environment that we're in right now has prevented people from coming or staying planted. You know why? To them, honor to God is seen only in one lane. You know, and, and if, you, if you mention that, that, that David danced before the Lord with all of his might, and when he was criticized, he says, I will dance even more. I'll look more foolish. I'll look more foolish before the Lord because I'm not living my life in fear of men, but in fear of God. And see, what we often, well, this, and I need you to get this. If anything else, I need you to get this. Is that we don't, we don't gather together to just produce a service. It's not just a, it's not a production in the way that you see it. 
Now, you may stand back and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was in the gym one time, and uh, there were these two women in front of me on the treadmill, and it was early. It was like 5 a.m., and, and, um, and I'm going, and, and I heard someone, one of the women say to the other one, did you see that True North Church out there? And uh, I'm like, took my head from myself. I'm like, you know, acting like I don't, I don't hear them. This is the best. And, um, and they said, uh, boy, that's a big building, you know, and I'm thinking it's not big enough. And then they're like, uh, and they're like, I heard it's quite a production over there, you know. And um, I was like, oh, man, that's a compliment, you know, and I kept, kept pedaling. And, and I don't know what they meant by it. And often you won't know what people mean by it when they say that. But I want you to know something. Everything that we do here is not to draw attention to ourselves, but to demonstrate an excellent to a God who is excellent and worthy of our best. I, he's worth a clap for that as well. Now, some people seem to think that if you worship in a certain way, you're just disingenuous. You're not authentic. Like, if you dance up here, it's just because you want people to look at you. Like, it's not because you really love God. Like, wow, that's not a judgment, if anything. Like, well, what is really loving God? Well, first of all, you don't need all this stuff. You can just stand here and sing. And I would say to you, absolutely. You don't need any of this. We can go out in the field. If you're not afraid of, like, snakes and stuff or whatever. We can go out in the field, and we can just stand out there with no PA system, and we can just worship. And could we do that? Absolutely, we could. Absolutely. Three of you can stand in the kitchen. You could go in the bathrooms, and you could gather arms and begin to worship God. It doesn't matter where or what it looks like. It's the heart that matters. It's the heart before God that matters. And sometimes we come in and we're like, this is not what I'm used to. Well, good. Let it change you. Let it mess with you a little bit. Say, hey, why is it so loud? I don't know. Why are you okay with it being loud at a football game and not in the house of God? Why are you okay with it, with it being loud? In other, I thought you were storming the stage. I, listen, I thought, why do we have to be passionate about everything else? But if passion proceeds through the, through the house of God, we get upset with it. Listen, I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Listen to, listen to me. There are differing opinions on method. And I get that. And I will respect any opinion of it. But let's be mature enough in our journey with God to say the substance of what we do is not within the method, but in the person who we pursue. Listen, I, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. And I, I remember this one conversation my father had, and I sat in the one section, and it was like the ribbon section. And, um, and I love ribbons. I think they're fascinating. But the problem is I can never worship because I was watching the ribbons. And uh, I was easily distracted. So, uh, I got hit right in the face with the ribbon as a little boy. I was so angry. Trying to chase it and grab the ribbon and... Um, my father approached someone in church and said, um, hey, I, you shouldn't be in the front. Go worship um, during this time because it's distracting to people and you could worship in, in, the, in the back. And they said, well, I can't do that. He says, well, well why, why can't you do that? Well, no one will see me. <laughs> Who are we worshiping for then? Like, is it for other people or is it for him? Because you could worship alone before God. And as long as he sees this. And will there be seasons of life where people do things for, 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 for people to be seen? Absolutely. But God says that will be your reward. That's it. That's all you got. 
It's like what it says in scripture. He says, don't be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who stand on platforms and begin to say how good they are before God and pray these elaborate prayers. He says, that is the reward. That's the reward. Let us be a church that understands that it is the heart and the person that we pursue, not in what we attempt to produce. And some people might say, well, then why do we do all this? Because I believe God is worthy of it. And we can do it. I believe he's worthy of even greater things in our own life, in our families, in the way that we demonstrate our love and devotion to God. I love how the world takes that which God created and they'll put it on with everything else and they'll celebrate with the best instruments, vocalists and everything else and they'll have excellence in everything in the world but if excellence proceeds in the house of God in some way it's worldly, I would challenge that thought to say that the excellence should be found in the house of God because God created all things. And sometimes we've relinquished that which God has created to the world and said, well, that's how they do it. No, that should be how we do it. Not to draw attention to everything else, but because God deserves the best in all things. I know some of you don't agree with me, and that's all right. You may have a different perspective of what the environment of church is. Not because you want to argue. It's just because that's the way that you were raised, and that's what you're familiar with. And I would say that this entire conversation about viewing the church as a theater will always be a focus on the method over the mission and the style versus the substance. The biggest danger in all of that is a theater is a place that you go just to watch. You know? You want the jersey, but you just, you don't want to get on the field. And I'm telling you, not that in expecting things from you, but wanting things for you. Um, Church will never feel fulfilling to you. You'll never find your purpose um, until you're planted in the house of God. And if you stay in the spectator arena the rest of your life, um, it may be okay for you, but you'll find yourself doing everything that a spectator does, which is just judge everything else. Um... I applaud people that run after Jesus and stumble and fall on their face and then get back up and ask for forgiveness and keep running versus the way that I did it, which was sit in the back and just be critical of everybody and say everyone is a hypocrite. The the irony in that was that I was being the very person that I was accusing other people of being, a hypocrite. The final thing that I want to talk to you about today in the way that people view the church and as many people view the church as a social club, Recently, someone said that um, our music sounds like a nightclub. And I said, man, that's like the nicest compliment I got like all week. And because um, it's loud and it can be obnoxious. And, and I understand where that can come from. And I'm not being critical towards it. But we will worship God with passion and with zeal. We'll enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And be unapologetic for it there's times to be quiet in prayer and what a powerful moment of prayer that we had just this past week and um, with so many people that gathered to worship and to pray and what an intimate time it was with God and with other believers and and that's how every crew should be a time of intimacy a time of prayer with one another a time of encouragement a time of challenge with your brothers and sisters in the Lord 
Some people view the church as a social club, and I suppose that the good sides of that are that it's about relationships and fellowship, which it is. But there's some very, very bad downsides to it that way, where it views it as all about you, this com- consumer or shopping mentality of what are the benefits that I get from being part of this club. And often at times when a church begins to grow, it can become very exclusive. There can be this unintentional but very real barrier of those who are in and those who are not. And sometimes this happens when a church becomes insecure with itself and all they want to do is talk to the people they're comfortable with. But how many of you know that a growing environment is an uncomfortable environment? A growing environment is a place that you say, I submit myself to be comfortably uncomfortable. And I have to remind myself of that. Do you know how, can I just say something to you? We never needed to build this. We never need to do another campus. We never need to do a phase two. We never need to do anything else. We could have stayed in a little building with 200 people. How easy that would have been? No negativity, no Instagram, Facebook negative, no emails, letters, no this, no that, no problems, no challenges. But that's not what God's called us to. He's called us to reach people, to proclaim the gospel, to challenge and fight against a spiritual authority that's in this world. It's a real enemy that advances and attempts to advance against the people of God. And the word of God says that blessed are you if you're persecuted in my name. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. This is what it says. It says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. A church who is constant in meeting together their spirit is filled they understand that they're not only coming to be filled by the spirit of God but to worship God to demonstrate a heart that loves God and they're not people who have it all together but they understand that man when what I'm saved not to just spend eternity with God but I'm saved to serve other people to help other people to encourage other people and and there's something that God wants for me not from me And I always use this analogy because it doesn't make sense in the way that we process it, but how could we be refreshed when we refresh other people? Because that's the nature of his divine principle that's in our heart. When we serve other people, we ourselves are refreshed. There's something in our soul that just says, man, this this is why I was created, to live and to operate in the image of Jesus. 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, it says this, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 5 says, As surely he has come to bore our griefs and carry our sorrows. It says, But he has also borne, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, scripture says, we are healed. I want to leave you with those two verses to know that that fear is not from God. Anxiety is not from God. Stress is not from God. Sickness is not from God. And in seasons like this, he, he calls us to choose him as our refuge. 
to choose him as our place of security. But he offers it. He doesn't force it. He offers it. And all of you here today, you see the church through some lens. I don't, I don't know what it is. We all see it through a different lens. I, I know my wife and I, our, our journeys are different. And we see the church through a different lens. But we're on a journey together. And we're pursuing one God. The same God. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want to pray for you today before we go. Some of you need to get right with God. He's paid your debt. He's paid it all. He didn't leave you a, a portion of it that you need to pay. He's paid it all. And all you need to do is receive it. So before we go, let me pray for you. You bow your heads and close your eyes. Everyone joining us online, will you bow your heads and close your eyes right where you are? In, unless you're driving a vehicle. Don't do that. But um, Scripture says that sin separates us from God and we need to deal with the sin in our life. People, you'll hear people talk about grace. Grace is what we receive. It's really Jesus. He is our grace. And the reason we need him is because we can't pay our debt. Many people, unfortunately, will have to pay for their sin, even though it's already been paid for by Jesus. You say, what do you mean by that? Your sin will be paid for by you if you don't receive the gift of Jesus. And that gift is salvation, redemption, justification before God, all of those things. And he's basically paid your debt. The Bible says the way to be part of the spiritual family of God is to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, by grace through faith we are saved. I want to lead you in this prayer. And it's a simple prayer, but it's a significant one. And I really believe with all my heart that, that your life will be changed forever on the other side of this prayer. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Church, I want you to encourage the people around you um, as they say this prayer for the first time. I want you to say it loudly and confidently as we pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I receive your son Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe that you died on the cross and were raised to life. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me and clean me. I am now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's clap for everybody. Come on, really clap, church, for everybody that said that. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet? Listen, if you um, need prayer for anything, we will have people at Next Steps right after this service. You can go there, receive prayer. We'd love to pray with you. And, and um, I know some of you need prayer with something. And can I just say this? Prayer is powerful. The Bible says the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. And, um, and let me just also say this. Um, if you ask for prayer, you're wise. You're not weak. You're wise. You're not weak. If you ask for prayer, you're wise, you're not weak. We all need prayer. Your pastor asks for prayer all the time. Say, pray for me. You're like, wow, you have that many problems? No, I have that many enemies, but I have a good God. And I know that if he is for me, who can be against me? And I want prayer surrounding me and my family and my children and this house and all of you. And so I say, hey, pray for me. And they say, well, what's wrong? I said, nothing, but I want to keep it that way. And, uh, and but, so prayer is good. So seek after prayer for people to pray for you if you need, if you have some things going on. Also, 
Um, next Sunday, uh, we do have baptisms. I want to encourage you, if you have not yet been baptized, which is an outward declaration of an inward decision uh, for Jesus, I would encourage you to sign up for that. We'd love for you to join us next week after the 1 p.m. service uh, to be baptized. But hey, before you go, can I pray for you? Can you stretch your hands to heaven? Come on, let's pray together. Lift your voices to Jesus. Thank him for all that he's done for you. Pray for those who are in your world that need him. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that no weapon formed against us will prosper. The greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Father, I thank you that your word declares that you have not given me and us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, Father, as we exit this building today, may we live as the church, as called out ones with conviction and with authority and with faith. Father, help us to stand tall in a corrupt and in a dark world. Help us to be confident in all things, not in our own ability, but in the power of God through us. Holy Spirit, use us this week. Speak through us this week, God. May, may, we, may we pray for those who are broken. Pray for those who are hurting. May we lead people into a personal relationship with you. Father, go with us as we go today. In your precious and holy name we pray. A faith-filled church said, amen. Amen. God bless.